We are going to begin today in Isaiah 42. Let me take a drink. And uh, it's a, a very similar message in the book of Isaiah. But the Holy Spirit was speaking consistently through him. We're in Isaiah 42, and this is where we'll start today. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flask he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail, nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. This is a prophecy of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And behold, he is the elect one in whom God's soul delights. He is the anointed one, the elect one, the set-apart one. And the coastlands, that's us, the far regions of the earth, are waiting for him to fulfill the mandate of enacting justice in truth for all. Our country was founded on these principles, but has not done it. Liberty and justice for all. And we have fallen short, and God is allowing us to see how we have fallen short. He allows us to see where we fall short in order to heal and deliver and perfect. Does that mean that we will be perfected? That is your prayer. That we would come into the unity of the faith and to the full maturity of Christ Jesus. Yea, it's not about a country. It's about a country men. It's not about the nation of the United States of America. It's about the nations within this nation. And that one nation has finally decreed and seen that all races can truly melt under the truth of the Bible. That the word of God that was released in this land can truly unite and remove race to make it a people under God. That's the goal. Have we made it? No. And we see our frailties today. But our goal is not that we would enact it. Our goal is that the church would allow Jesus in us to enact justice in truth till all the coastlands see it. In Psalm 2, it says, sit right here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. This is the age of the Holy Ghost. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. The Father was given to the Israelites. Jesus came for a time, but now he has poured out his Spirit on all flesh for the age of the Gentiles to be finished. Yes? Keep going. Verse 4, we'll reread. He will not fail nor be discouraged 
Jesus will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will keep you, and I will give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. We sang about that this morning. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house, I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor will I give my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. The secret things belong to us and our children forever. That's Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to us and our children forever. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. We have been talking about his kingdom being expedient. Before his kingdom breaks forth, I will tell you of it. The expectancy and the expedience of God's kingdom coming is a new thing. It's a new thing. Yes? Yes. Yes. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He is calling us to be reliant upon him for these new things. If it's the age of the Holy Spirit, you must be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. And his sheep hear his voice. And all the devil does is try to tell you, do you really hear his voice? That is all he does. That's his number one tactic from the beginning. Did God really say? Did Holy Spirit really tell you that? Are you really hearing Holy Ghost? Is Holy Ghost really speaking? Does Holy Ghost still speak? Does Holy Ghost exist? And the church has believed those lies and just kept getting more and more until it says, well, Holy Ghost does not exist to this day. Those stopped. It ceased. Right? I grew up in a church that said that. But then he spoke, and I heard his voice. And it totally makes that doctrine void when you hear God's voice truly speaking to you. Because there's more than just his voice. There's an empowerment. There is a baptism of fire. That's the Holy Spirit. These new things... These new things is what the Lord is asking us to step into. Let's go to Isaiah 43. Go to the next chapter. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. It, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 18. Do, you, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. 
and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now you must understand new things versus old things. God does not tear down his kingdom and rebuild it. The old things that he talks about is the things that we have built. Don't remember the old ways. Don't remember the old things that you have built and set your hope in. Because God's kingdom is ever increasing. And he builds it perfectly. Do you understand? He builds it perfectly. So he's not tearing down old things. He's not forgetting his ways. He is of old and he is of today. He who was and who is and who is to come. He is the ancient of days. And so what is he talking about? If you read in 16 through 17, he's talking about the ways that he delivered, the ways that he come. He wants his people to look for him to do something new. He does want us to be expectant for something outside the box that he's not in. He wants us to look for expectant things. He wants us to be like the prophet who said, just throw salt in that and it'll be cured. He wants us to be like the prophets that just dip seven times in the river and you'll be cleansed of leprosy. He wants to be like Jesus who just said, you don't have any fruit. Curse be you. And didn't just say it flippantly, but said it with purpose to a tree. That every word that you speak is full of expectancy that God is going to answer it. Yes, that's the expediency. That's the reliance. That is the new thing that I expect God to do that's outside of my ways. So much so that we see new things every chapter in the book. Who told Paul to ask for the neckerchiefs? Where did he read that in the Bible? Where did he read to get the neckerchiefs and pray for them, and then go deliver them, and those people will be healed. Where did, they, where did John the Baptist learn to baptize? Who taught him that doctrine? Did he read it in the scriptures? No. I'm telling you, these are rhetorical questions, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Why? Because it's a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. But God doesn't tear down his old ways. He renews and makes it new. In Isaiah 6, I guess we should read it. Because we're in Isaiah. We might as well stay there, eh? Isaiah 6. I grew up reading this. I taught it two weeks ago and it's still here. Isaiah 6, are you ready? Starting at the beginning. This is a troublesome time because King Uzziah is a good king. King Uzziah is a good king. And in the nation of Israel, when you had a good king, the nation goes up. When you have a bad king, the nation goes down. The oil went through the head. They saw it. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord. Now, why is this important? Because who's going to be the next king? This is a time of transition. 
Will we have a good king or will we have an evil king? Is our future in dire straits or is our future in good hands? And in this time of worry in Isaiah, the time that King Uzziah died, he has a vision of the king. He has a vision of the one on his throne. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew, of course. And three, and one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke as incense. Why am I telling you this? What are we talking about? I'm telling you this because declaring a new thing. I grew up reading this thinking they have the most boring job on the planet. Raise your hand if you thought that they had the most boring job. They just go around God singing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and oh again and again. What is going on? What is going on? What am I missing? Because I was missing something. You're missing the Holy Spirit. You're missing what you're seeing. You're, not, you're real, looking at the angels, but you're not looking at what the angels are looking at. You're looking at what they're doing and not looking at who they're doing it for. <laughs> and when you look at the one they're doing it for, then you realize, oh... They see a new thing in God at that moment. As they fly around him, they see the fullness of love, the fullness of joy, the fullness of wrath, the fullness of fear, the fullness of jealous, the fullness of peace, the fullness of self-control, the fullness of might and power. They see it, and then one goes, holy, holy, holy. Whoa, Lord God Almighty. Cries out to the other one on the other side. And when that one had turned just another fraction of time, sees another new thing of the depth and the profound richness of God. And it cries out back, oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You're focused on what they're doing and they don't care about you at all. They are fixed upon the river of living water pouring out of God who's ever expanding in the depths of love and grace and mercy and peace and fire and, and it's continuously growing. And even if they saw it just 30 seconds ago, they see another depth of it. This is the new things that God is saying. I want to declare new things. My angels see it every second. And cry out about it every day. 
and I'm never stopping. I'm not decreasing. I haven't stalled. I haven't gone stagnant. I don't pause. We only see one time in the scriptures there is a pause in heaven for 30 minutes. It's during the tribulation in Revelation. You can read about it, but that's it. We just know that there was a pause. I don't know what happens. Nobody does. But it is amazing to think of the worship that is happening and that it would truly stop the seriousness of the moment. When something is of reverent honor, we stop. How reverent and honorable must that moment be in the time of the history of the world that all of heaven and all of earth is in a point of stopping. Why am I telling you this? This is the new things that God is telling you. Go to Isaiah 28. Isaiah, yet God isn't throwing away the past or deconstructing his kingdom and rebuilding it. You can't think that way. God only tears down the works of man and builds an everlasting kingdom in us. Isaiah 28, 9 through 10 says, Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Just we, those just weaned from milk? That means the babes. Are they going to understand the full depths of this message? Those that are just drawn for the breast? Are those the ones that are going to truly get the meat from the word? No, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. What am I saying? I'm saying God builds. God builds. And the revelation that came to our forefathers in the church, we are not to tear down the truth of the Holy Spirit, but to build upon it. That is not a, there is not a deconstruction of faith. <laughs> there is not a deconstruction of faith. There is a building of those that can see the truth in faith and build upon it. Now, were everything that the church has released true? No, but God tears that down and builds the truth. Precept upon precept, line upon line, truth upon truth, faith to faith, glory to glory. This is the way of the Lord. And you can't just have a bunch of immature babes showing us the way to go. You must be built up with the maturity. That's why it says one generation, eldest to youngest. If the young bucks lead the way, we go astray. If the old men don't give up some leniency, then the fire can be quenched. You have to have them both. You have to have those engines that will go and go and go, but you have to have the wisdom to hold the reins. That's the elders of the house. And that's the babes that are on the other side. That have the faith of a child and will go. Yes, this is what we're after. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. We are called to seek and to know the new things, but it's to renew or to build up upon the old. The Lord will tear down anything that is of men or anything that we have made stale or anything that we've added to the word of God. 
But he's not tearing down his kingdom. He is expanding it. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You are now citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built, you're being built upon who? The elders of the house, the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself, the chief elder and the high priest and the high apostle of our faith. Him being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He brings forth new things that are added or deepening to the profound richness of God. Just as the seraphim are seeing his profound richness of his glory, they're not saying, everything that I've ever known about God is completely null and void. You think that's ridiculous. But some people in the church think that we have to erase all the old to get the new wine. Now, there is an old wine skin. There is an old wine skin. But the old wine is how you get to the new. You aren't to vomit up the old wine to get the new. It's still a part of who you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, we're going to read that, I guess. <laughs> he brings forth new things that are added and deepening to the profound richness of God. Song of Solomon 7 says it this way. I'll read it to you. You can go to, to Luke. But Song of Solomon says it this way. The mandrakes give off a fragrance and at our gates are pleasant fruits or delicacies of all types and manner, new and old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. I'll read it again. This is Song of Solomon 7.13. The mandrakes give off a fragrance at our gates and their pleasant fruits and delicacies of all manner, new and old, that I have laid up for you, my beloved. Who's speaking here? This is Jesus. He's saying, at your door, I have given you gifts the profound delicacies of fruit and things that you are longing to eat, the fruit of the Spirit, new and old. Not just new. It's all of it, which I have saved up for you, my beloved. Wow, right? These new things are going to be added on to you. You don't discard your old gifts of the Spirit because they cannot be revoked. But these new things must be understood that they're of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Luke 5. What I just referenced here. Luke 5, 36 through 39. Are you there? No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new garment will make a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins or else the new wine will burst 
the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved, and no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new wine. For he says, the old is better. All right, this is a spiritual principle laid out in a parable for us, in that no one that has drunk the old wine immediately desires the new wine. That is that wine skin. That is where we add soulish things. That's where we've added religion. That's where we've added our hopes and our expectations upon this new wine. And it's so good. And this new thing is awesome. And this is the only way. And we add on to it. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you new wine. That, that, Church, beloved, there's more than just this. And truly, when God says that I'm going to give you a new thing, when the Lord actually reveals the new thing, most of us say, I don't want that. We get excited about it, but I have yet to actually see anybody get excited when I tell them something new. I'm just telling you the truth. We in our flesh would rather do what we know. Not what we don't know. You would rather do what you know because you're comfortable figuring that out. I'd rather mop the floor the same way I've always mopped it since I was seven than learn a new way, a better way, because I'm uncomfortable with that way, said every married couple ever. That's the truth. That's the truth. And that's a simple thing. But yet it's amazing because in the house of God, we are like, we want to know the new things. We want those things to spring forth. We want them to come forth. And when they do, our flesh goes, yeah, no. No. That's the life of a Christian. And the pastors are like, okay, yeah, immediately you don't want this. Immediately you're going, Immediately you're saying, I don't know if I really want to drink this new wine because the old, we're used to drinking it. It's good. Who drinks the new? The young bucks. Who doesn't understand the difference between a nice wine that has a robust body and that you smell through your mouth and you drink it and swish it around. No, those young bucks are like... They suck it in, that new wine, as fast as you can. We know this. This is a natural thing. But in the spirit, it's the same. That's why he said you must have faith like a child to enter into the kingdom of God. Because <laughs> then you'll suck it up. Go in the kingdom fast. The new thing, but not disregarding the old. And that's the fallacy of the young bucks to just charge and not remember your elders. <laughs> not remember your elders. This is the bride of Christ being made ready and perfected in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Yes. Verse 39, And no one, having drunk the old wine, immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. I'm emphasizing immediately because you will get there. 
It might not be right away, but that's the house of God. Yes, I know. It's not right away. But we want it to be. We want it to be. We want it to be that when the new word comes forth, we will receive it. We want it when the new thing comes forth, we will be open to say yes. Open my mouth and you will fill it. Right? But it's okay if not all of you are immediately. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to get us there and saying, no, the old is not better now, son. The old is getting stale. The old is running dry. The old is now a form of religion that you won't let go of as an old wineskin that I need to remove. And we must have a structure because we've got to have structure and God gives us those wineskins to hold it. He knows how to hold the fifties, the hundreds, the thousands, the ten thousands, the hundred thousands. He knows how to hold them. And then the new wine. But you can't say that's the end all. This is the new things that we are expectant of and reliant upon and expecting an expedient return. Yeah? Luke 7. Right? Just flip a few pages. No one having drunk the old wine immediately desires the new. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Luke seven eighteen. This is very interesting. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Then the disciples of John. Who's John? John the Baptist. Those who followed John the Baptist. Now, they reported to him concerning all these things of Jesus. And John the Baptist, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one? We just read in Isaiah, the elect one. Behold my servant whom I send as a light to the Gentiles, my elect one. And John the Baptist is like, Are you the coming one? John the Baptist. Or do we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, Jesus cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. There's three there for a reason. Many infirmities, many afflictions, and many evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and the things that you have heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. This is a very interesting, very interesting, but we got to build here. Go to Matthew 21. Keep your finger there. Don't lose Luke 7. Go to Matthew 20, 21. Matthew 21, verse 23 and 20 through 27. Now when Jesus came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him. Who did? The chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him because remember the old wine is better. 
confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? Hmm. The baptism of John, where, where, you can hear it, right? Da, 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 da. Right? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? Wait, what? Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered, and they did what you cannot do in jeopardy, and wrote, we don't know. <laughs> That's what they did. So Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Why am I saying that? We just read that John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the coming one, or should I look to another? And Jesus himself tells the elders that have been drinking the new wine since Ezra, right? Since Ezra, of what it means to follow the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Ezra brought the revival of the Jewish people. He was the evangelist, the revivalist, and the teacher of precept upon precept. He didn't tear down Moses' ways. He didn't tear down David's ways. He didn't tear down Solomon's ways. He built upon and said, this is what it means. This is where we lost it in our hearts. In 400 years, they did what Ezra told them to do. And it got a little bit stale. A lot of bit stale a lot of it religious and a lot of it about not about the heart but about the process and about the ways and not about why and now Jesus comes and says there has been a prophet that's come to you that did not come forth from the scriptures and say this is a baptism of repentance to prepare the way of the Lord you can't read about a baptism in the Old Testament and Jesus confronts it and says, who was John the Baptist and where did his doctrine of baptizing come from? From heaven or from men? Because it's from men, it's going to fall. I just told you that if it's from man, God is going to tear it down. But if it's from God, he's going to build upon it. So he asks them, where is it from? Where is it from? And this same man who received the new thing of God, who received the baptism of repentance by water that calls us forth, and Jesus said, I have to do the baptism of repentance because I have to fulfill all things in the word of God. He goes and gets water baptized and says, yes, all who are in me are going to be baptized in water, but I have a baptism of fire and how I long until I can put my hands on you and fill you with my fire. He builds upon the precept of baptism with the Holy Ghost Spirit baptism. 
So it's of God and not of man. But the same one, the same prophet, questioned, questioned the new wine of Jesus. Now, did he believe? I believe he did. (laughs) Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Because when a new thing comes, you get offended. When Brandy or I say, we're doing this, you get offended. You do. And it's not immediate, but you get there. And look at how we have grown. Look at how we have grown. Because he says, you're not going to stay the way you are. I shall complete the work that I started in you, and I will do it. It not, might not be immediate, but we want to get more and more immediate. We want to get more and more receptive. We want to get more and more yes. We want to get more and more discerning so that if the devil tries to give us a fake new thing, you can spit it out. You can filter it. And that's why you have to have your elders. That's why you have to have the young bucks. We help each other grow into the unity of the faith built upon the apostles and prophets in Jesus Christ till we are that living temple of stones. This is the way. Walk in it. Right? New things of the Holy Spirit versus of the soulish and worldly realm. I want to tell you this because go to Acts 17. I have been in houses of God where they just want to talk about a new thing. But it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. They just want to talk about new things to debate and talk about. And it sounds great, but it's not Holy Spirit. So you can do good things and talking about new things all the time in the Lord and what's this new thing and new thing and new thing and springing forth. But it's not actually growing the house of the Lord. And it comes from this place in Acts 17. If you go to Acts 17, 17, that's ironic. Where is it? 17, 17. Am I in the right place? Yes. Therefore he reasoned, this is Paul, in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. What did he do? He reasoned. He's, he's, he's pleading. He's trying to show. I mean, Paul is a brilliant man. If you really know his background, Paul is brilliant and he's He's about to go off on one of the best sermons ever in the town of Athens. And even Paul says that the the message that I gave to Athens didn't bear the same fruit as when I didn't speak at all and let Holy Spirit come. How do we know this? Because after Athens, he goes to Corinth. And in the book of Corinthians, he says that I didn't come to you with persuasion of speech. What, what is he talking about? Because in the town before, he came with persuasion of speech and reasoning and, and, tr- and speaking on their level. And the fruit was minimal compared to, I didn't come with persuasion of speech, but in weakness and in trembling. And the gospel spread forth with power in your midst. 
And he learned how to be abounding and abased. I'm, I'm just telling you this because here we go. Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there, then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? And others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. <laughs> it's so silly. Oh my gosh. What does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And, he, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. Let's say that wrong. Areopagus. Areopagus. And saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. I've been around that. And it's like they hear it. It's like, oh, my ears hear something new. But after they've heard it once, they can't hear it again. And I've run into that spirit that says, this is what God has shown me. This is revelatory to me. And the response is, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. Tell me something new. Versus the revelation of the Holy Spirit that all are undergirded with. It's like the gift of encouragement. Right? If you're an encourager, you probably encourage a lot of the same way. And if you can't be encouraged by the encourager, right? In our house, encouragers get discouraged because people won't listen to their encouragement. And there's a gift in the Bible that says, if you have a gift of encouragement, give it and use it. But if the house is as, has this on them, Epicurean and Stoic, Tell me something new. Encourage me a new way. Because I can't be encouraged by you anymore. Then that gift gets... And Jesus is not one that quenches the flax of fire. That's what we read in Isaiah. Do you remember? He does not even quench the flax of fire. That's a candle. Yes, this is a delicate thing. This is why you must cling to Jesus. Because you can't do it on your own strength. You're going to offend. We're going to offend our brothers and sisters. We're going to discourage them. But we have to be willing to say, I'm discouraged. And you have to be willing to cry and say, I'm sorry, I discouraged you. And you have to be willing to, to let the flame burst again. That is what it really looks like to be a house full of the love of God that forgives and continues to forgive there is a soulish realm of new things. There is a worldly realm of the newest thing, right? The newest thing. We all see it in health and in fads of health. The newest thing, the newest thing. There is that worldly soulish realm, but it can infiltrate in the soul of the church. And those things that are not of God, he will tear them down to build the spiritual house of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Go to 2 Timothy because God does make your ears tingle. But you can tingle your ears with the soulish realm. 
You can feed what you want to here instead of the new thing that often offends you. And that's often a way that you can discern the difference. Is this something that I love to hear? Or is this something that my spirit is like, yes, and my flesh is like, mm, then it's probably the Holy Ghost. That, but, I, but some of you are like, I don't know how to discern that. That's why we want to feed you, not milk, but meat. If you're still in the milk, that's hard to understand. The difference of when your flesh is like, nope, and your spirit's like, yeah. Because sometimes it just all sounds like your flesh going, yeah. New thing, let's go. Right? And then there's elders back there like, hey, 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 ho, ho, ho. Let's slow down here. And then you get offended at me. Then you get offended at me. Yes? Are you in 2 Timothy? Because I'm not. 2 Timothy 4. Yes. 2 and through 5. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They want to hear a new thing. It itches. They want something to scratch it. Scratch my ear, please. They will heap up for themselves teachers. And, I mean, that is like today, right? How many podcasts can we heap up for ourselves? We can do as many as we want. But you're not going to put the podcast on that you don't want to hear. Right? I, I can guarantee you, if there's Cowboys fans in here and there's a Cowboy podcast, if they lose, nobody's listening to that podcast. But if they win, everybody's listening to that podcast. I guarantee it. Because you have that option. How much does it show the maturity of the faith that you will hear sound doctrine from the elders and the apostles and the prophets of the house even if you don't want to hear it? Who's more mature? The kid that will listen to their parents give them hard truth or the kid that will deny it? Who's more mature? If it's that way in the natural realm, how much is it in the spiritual realm? Right? Second Timothy, we're still there. Yes? Four, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. There is a way that God has always tingled the ears of the nation. Tingled the ears of the nations. And if you go to Isaiah, again, we'll read it. There is a way that God declares a new thing and it tingles the ears of the nations. Isaiah 48, six and seven. You have heard, see all this, and will you not declare it? 
I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. They were created now and not from the beginning. And before this day, you have not heard them, lest you should say, of course I knew them. I love that. I love it. They are created now and not from the beginning. And before this day, you have not heard them, lest you should say, of course I knew them. God hides things in his heart that he won't say until a certain time, and then he releases it. And it tingles our ears because it always has to do with his people Israel. He does not reveal everything that's in his heart to do with Israel. He has told us a lot. He hasn't said everything. And when anything happens with his people, it tingles the ears of the world. We're walking in that time. Whether you want to talk about it or not, the world is talking about the Jerusalem and the Israel that God's eye is on. The center of the map for God is Jerusalem. (laughs) And you are, right, we read, the spirits of all mankind come from him. And whether you want to talk about Israel or not, you will. How do we know this? I'm going to read some verses here. This is, you don't have to, but 1 Samuel 3, 11. And I love this because Samuel literally means heard by God. God hears, heard by God. And then God's first word to him as a young boy is, the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The name Samuel means, I was heard by God. And God says, okay, son, your mama, her prayer was heard by me, and now you, for all your days, are going to hear my voice. (laughs) It's just God that does that. But he says that when I tell you it, It's going to make everyone else who hears your words, their ears are going to tingle. And what was this? This was actually a very stern rebuke and curse to the high priest in Israel that was going to not only remove him, but his inherited kids, Phineas and Hophni. Eli died, Phineas died, Hophni died all in one day. And the ark of God was gone, lost, to the Philistines in one day because of the word of this, we think, nine-year-old. <laughs> and the ears of those who heard it tingled of the news that happened in Israel that day. Second Kings 21, Therefore thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. The way that God gets the attention of the world is through Israel. He always will, because they are his people. They are his chosen people to release the gospel and to release the word of the Lord. And we are here because the Jews heard. And we are here because Jews said yes to the call of God on their life. And he still uses them to show himself strong in the nations. He still uses Israel to show himself as the God of all the nations that will exalt my name. That's it. 
Jeremiah 19.3. Let's go there. And this is where we're ending. And in this time, the new things that you yearn for is because God has opened your ears when Israel was struck. So many people are turning their ear to God in this time because Israel was struck. Their ears tingled to hear, where am I? What am I doing? Where are we at? Is God coming now? And God uses it to hook the nations in. But he also uses it to cast the net and bring in his people and bring in his children. Jeremiah 19.3. Yes, it's a new thing. It's a new thing. Jeremiah 19.3. And say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. Has that not happened? It has. But what's our job? Our job is to say, this is of the Lord. And we are his people. And there is freedom. And there is healing. And the time is now to be saved. The time is now to not wonder where you're going. The time is now to come into the fold. The time is now to not sit on the sideline. But let's go to work. Amen? So if you need prayer, we will be up here. And if your ears tingle, it's the Holy Spirit. Okay? And let's stand and let's pray together. Holy Ghost, I say yes to your voice that cries out, this is the way, walk in it. That says, prepare the way of the Lord. That says, come to the Lord Jesus, come. We say yes, God, to your working in us, the perfect will of God that builds up us as living stones into the temple of the Lord, filled full with your glory and your goodness and your power, your love and your forgiveness to heal the world around us. Let your love burn like a fire in us. Our only desire is to worship you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.